0: People working hard for you and me, moving higher, time and time again. through the years you'll find moving
2: iron. Hello
1: and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 347. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Iron Solutions by Randall Riley and I've got John Womack on here with me. John, how you doing?
2: Doing well, doing well. How about
1: you? I can't complain any man. Um yeah. so so John, you are I guess before I butcher your title, just, just go ahead. You're, you're some you're like director of guides, right? Some, something like Trading that.
2: Guides editors. Yeah. I was close. I was,
1: close. I was close. It's kind of how I figure value is kind of throw a dart at the wall and see what happens.
2: <laughs> we all do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right on, man. Right on. Well, John, I, this is, this is one of my favorite things to talk about is just what's going on in the marketplace and, and where we see things happen trends that are developing. Um, and, 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 you're you're one of those guys that follow that because that's what you get paid to do. So there's there's plenty of plenty of things to talk about here. I guess uh, first off, just get let's get your feel for the marketplace, John. As you look out there right now and you see what's happening around you, what are you seeing happening right now? What are some of the hot spots? What are some of the of the you know, hey, it's 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 par for the course type stuff? And then what do you uh, what are you watching right now that's got you a little bit concerned?
2: Well, one of the things that it's always type by type by type. And it's sometimes it's even class by class. Um, you know, like on full wheel drives, it depends on whether or not it's got wheels or if it's got tracks. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, but I guess starting where everyone always starts, which is combines, seen combines really starting to everyone saying that they're flat, but you know, with every up, with every up, there's a down. So when you start to see something come up and then you start to see a flattening happen, That's telling me what's coming, so therefore the guide, um, everyone's probably seen that, that uses the guide. We've started to turn turn down combines ever since December because I do see this big wall coming that I think that we're going to hit sooner rather than later. I think we've got a lot of combines that are going to end up coming back. I think a lot of dealers took allocation, whether or not you took full allocation or not. There's a lot of combines that are going to come in and we're going to end up with a lot of combines that have very low set powers on them so it means you're going to end up with quite a few expensive trades and then you figure the interest rate into that however they're still very expensive but you do have a little bit of price protection there with your uh with your new price increases so i can see that i can see that maybe helping it out a little bit but i do think that combines are probably going to be the first thing to you know, call it fall off the ship, or I just say, take a, take a decline. Um, I do think that they're down almost across the board, but I do think that your bigger classes, class eights, class nines are down maybe a little bit more than class sevens. Class sevens for some reason saw a little bit of a spike in, in February. I think that that is just something that we're just going to see for like a month, maybe two. And then it's going to all kind of, kind of fizzle out. Um, what has really gotten my attention has been large row crop tractors. So basically everything from about a 280 horse, 275 horse, all the way up to a 400, 410. Mm-hmm. They have really leveled out. All of my data is showing me that they've leveled out. Um, I've been told by multiple dealers, and a lot of my data is telling me that the supply of those is starting to come back a little bit. Not. I'm not going to sit here and say that lots are filling up or anything like that, because that's just not true. However, if you look at where we were a year ago and then we look at now, there's a substantial difference. I mean, we were putting, you know, 20, 30,000 bucks in each, in each tractor, each large row crop tractor in the guide. And I was seriously thinking, hey, I I can't keep up with this. Like, this is absolutely insane. And you compare that to the last guy where everything was just flat.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: They're not going down. Right. They're not really coming up. They're just flat. They're just holding Yep. where they're at. Yep. Um. Then the next group that I've been taking a look at, if you're talking about large equipment, we can get to small equipment if you want to, but nine R's, like I just talked about a second ago, if it's got wheels, that means one thing. If it's got tracks, that means another thing. Right and most of those are different things i've been seeing and hearing that dealers are not really having that hard of a time getting wheeled stuff it's like actually a little bit of a surprise but the tracks are non-existent almost so as far as the guide is concerned been really looking been really looking at that data and trying to stay as current as possible however that 9r market from my experience gets hot and cold it can get hot and cold very 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 quickly however right now when we're dealing with a supply issue i think that it's just going to remain hot yeah and that's kind of what we're what we're prepared for and until the data tells me to turn it another way i think that's what we're going to probably stay with now When we start putting this next summer guide together, I could get a massive amount of data that tells me something different. However, the way it's looking right now is that they're probably going to stay pretty hot through the end of the year. Right. Yep. Um, And then like your small, small ag stuff. um, Lots are starting to fill up. I've been driving around looking at lots right around in here in Tennessee, and I've seen a lot of lots starting to fill up. A lot of that stuff is very heavily dependent upon the general economy. We got the Fed last week that came out and said that they were going to raise rates again, and it said that uh, you know the raising the raising of rates is not it's not catching up to what the economy is actually doing. So does that mean that they're going to continue to raise rates? It very well could. However, to your normal homeowner, I would think that they would not rush out to go buy a one-year-old twenty-thousand-dollar compact right now. Got still quite a few guys buying new. Because they're getting that 0% interest. A lot of guys are still running the 0% interest. You're getting full warranty with that. You know, a lot of that, a lot of that is going on. However, what I've been focusing on is getting enough money between a brand new compact tractor or a utility tractor and a one-year-old. Because it it doesn't matter if that one-year-old has 10 hours on it or five hours on it or whatever. It's still a one-year-old. You still can't get the cut on interest, and you still um, you still have to pay. I mean, you still have to pay for it and you have one year less warranty on it. Yeah. So that's in a nutshell, that's kind of what we've been facing a lot of, a lot to digest there, but you know, different, different parts of the industry are reacting very differently.
1: Yeah. No, that's a, that's a pretty good synopsis of what you see out there. I think you hit on combines. I think combines are always the, they're the whipping post of every, of every, it's a good time or a bad time, they're the whipping yeah. post, everything out there. So, if you take a look right now, so I, I've been I've been started doing the thing where I started following the number of machines that are out there on, um, uh, listed out there that have five hundred thousand dollars or more as far as an advertised values go.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the reason I watch that so closely is <clears throat> I'm a big washout cycle guy, and the washout cycle makes makes the world turn as far as i'm concerned but it's it's uh when you're when you're looking at how those things play together and how that comes together and what that looks like the the price of equipment now uh especially combines have uh, tractors you name it the the number of units that it takes to wash out now is now probably three or four more times than than it was previously i used to always use three and a half to four times to, to wash out maybe four and a half at the most um, rarely did I ever say five was the number that you needed to see, but it was three and a half to four was a pretty common thing. And if you look at how combines play out, you would, you know, I knock it in the head, 25% each washout. When you start figuring out everything that plays into that, and that kind of how that, that number kind of played out, you look at it now, I mean, you're looking at, I did it the other day and to get down to where, you know, that hundred and Less than a hundred thousand, less than seventy five thousand dollar machine, it's like eight, you know, you're eight, you're eight eight down there now. So, I mean, that's Uh that's extended the amount of time that we see out there, and and, and we've extended the amount of uh, just dollars and what's tied up, and all those things come to play. So, the other day, I was doing some research, I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna look and see how many machines actually in that 500,000 plus range, how many machines are actually out there. And it was whatever, it was like 1,200 machines or something like that. Mm -hmm. That fall into that. If you drill down into that and say, okay, well, what's, you know, 400 engine hours is roughly 200 separator hours, you know, plus or minus, you know, 50 hours, 25 25 to 50 hours, depending on what it is. But when you put in 400 engine hours and it pulls all that stuff down, there's 846 machines and the uh, average price is 563,000 bucks. So where, where I am, where my, my concern for combines is it's not so much the number of combines that are out there that I'm so worried about right now. I think we're sitting at historical data. If you go back and look at 21, 20, something like that, um, we're kind of getting close to that, that number of machines on the marketplace, Uh Um, which if you come down to 21, I mean, there was a big, this time in 21, you started seeing a, a bunch of machines sell off and, and right that looks like but i don't know that we're ever going to have that same you know 19 18 or 19 time frame number again just because we don't have the machines there's not that I, many machine right. frame, and
2: know. if and if we ever did get back to that time frame it's going to take quite some time to do it yeah, it's going to really one is. thing i will say about combines as compared to everything else is that we didn't quite sell out of combines like we did tractors especially not eight hours or nine hours you know we're even getting down to six hours so i do think that there was some that were left on the market now whether or not those were older combines that probably just need to be sent to auction to begin sure. with yeah. um or you just you're wholesaling them whatever you know i did have some i have had some dealers tell me that they did end up with some of those older models that they still weren't moving just because no one was interested in that older model due to whatever you want to call it, set power technology, whatever you want to call it, or how big it is. So I do think we still have some of those lingering around like we always have, but I do think that it is that supply is going to come back. I don't necessarily know if it's going to come back like you said, like it was in 19 or 18, but I have been following that, but like what you were saying, what's getting my attention the most is how expensive they are yeah and when you're rolling out of say like an s600 series would that be a a 70 80 or 90 and then you're rolling into an s700 series outside of probably like a 17 model there's a substantially uh, substantial amount of money there and yeah. then you throw in you know you got your guys got an operating loan now that is seven eight nine percent depending on where you're at and then you take your equipment loan and you put it right on top of that, and they're you know we're not going to probably cut interest on you know an eighteen model combine, right? So therefore, you know that's a that's a tough sale. Yeah, that's a very that's a very tough sale. So that's what I'm a little bit concerned about, I yeah. guess you could say. And it's it's going to take in a minute, I think, to play out. But that's what we've been kind of gearing up gearing up toward to look to look at because you know when combines fall they fall quick
1: yeah yeah and I think from the combine side of it when I'm looking at how this plays out what this looks like and how these things come to come together and all the moving parts that we see to me it's not so much that combines are the high price that they are because if you if you take a look at a price of a combine relative to the new one I mean just like this average price I just said here if it's a Class Eight combine which you know these this is just every combine out there, but mm-hmm. you know you're looking at class eight combine now. Whether you're looking at Lexion, Deer, Case, whoever, you know it's it's a six hundred thousand plus dollar. yeah. yeah you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So you start you start dialing that in. You start looking at that. You know there there is there's some benefit to buying a used one. You know when you start looking at at that overall. High, but that's always been that's no different than in past history too but yeah
2: that's yeah that's no different than no yeah. different than normal times and the and the decision that a farmer has to make i think it's the i think it's pretty close to the same decision you're just dealing with a hell of a lot more dollars
1: yeah and i think one thing too to put in that, in that when i caveat when i tell people that is like now the caveat there is back when a two thousand and ten Ninety-seven, seventy. You're paying two hundred thirty-five thousand dollars for that machine, brand new, right? Yeah. Two hundred fifty, maybe. You know, and mm-hmm. the two thousand and uh, eleven, no, two thousand twelve, yeah, two thousand twelve. Well, yeah, S- seventy, yeah. Okay, yeah. in, you know, same comparable machine. There, I don't remember what the price increase was, but you're paying now. You're paying close to you know somewhere between two fifty and three hundred for that machine, right? So mm-hmm. now. <clears throat> The big difference for me that was, yeah, the used one was always cheaper. Same, the same percentages were there, right? Yep. relatively, the same percentages are here too. It's just the numbers are bigger, and that's that's exactly that's, exactly and that's right.
2: And you're dealing yeah. with a lot higher interest rates. A lot higher
1: interest rates, and that's exactly right. So if you if you look at um where we're at now, and you're looking at how interest plays into this, um, it the the one thing I think in a marketplace as you look and, and see what's happening and things are moving forward is that. Going into this time frame when the shortages all happen, the uh the overall fleet was as old as it's ever been, right? I mean, as yep. old it's ever been in the history of, of you know me- mechanical farming equipment, right? Yep. So that's feeding that, and you start looking at guys are like, man, I've I put the last dollar I'm putting in this machine, or I've reached the, the point of depreciation, or whatever it is that they're measuring. And it's time to come back in and and, and look at something different the issue is i think a lot of guys where there's some of the shock is coming from with some of these guys is that the last machine they bought the the trade difference is just as much as the machine was that they bought that they're trading in and that's that's, that's the shocking thing to them and then it is they were thinking like i'm gonna get a 200 hour machine and i'm gonna be able to trade for this and then you get that and it's like holy crap no i got so now you now you're looking at going from a 300 hour machine or whatever is to maybe a 700 hour machine to fit your budget. And I think that is where some of this, some of this washout cycle stuff, in my opinion, is, is where the issue is because if you look at how these things flow out and how this thing comes together, the front end of the washout cycle is clear full, right? The end of the washout cycle is clear full because we still got all those 12s and 13s and 14s and those 75 to $40,000 machines there's just as many of those machines at the end of that as there is at the beginning of yeah, it.
2: Yeah, there is at the front. That's exactly there's, right. There's
1: not a yeah. lot in the middle and I think that's that's a problem that we see. but that's if you look at, at the entire row crop tractors, four-wheel drives, combines,
2: it's the same with all of them.
1: It's the same. It's always it's the same, same with one.
2: all of them, but those those tractors are reacting a little bit differently than combines are just because it's like the old, it's uh it's like the old saying is it's a heck of a lot easier to get out of a tractor than it is a combine. Every guy needs a tractor. Sure. Not every guy needs a combine.
1: Right. And I think, or,
2: you know, another combine or, you know, whatever.
1: Well, yeah. But, I mean, there's uh, but the side of that on the combine side. If you really wanted to, to look at it, you can hire that, Don. You can get a customer come in and combine your wheat or corn or whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah.
2: That's so. exactly right. I mean, custom, custom harvesting um, is always going to be here. Mm-hmm. That's all and that's always gonna happen. Uh there's custom, you know, custom harvesting, no matter what crop you have, there's custom picking for corn or for uh for cotton. Sure. It's always gonna be a it's always gonna be a thing. But you so you talked about one of the farming scenarios, um, or the farmer scenario, I guess you could say. In my opinion, there's two different farm scenarios. You talked about one of them. I think the other one is is that you'll have a farmer that says, Hey, I've got some equipment. That is, I could probably keep it for another year, maybe two, and not have to put a whole lot of dollars into it. Operate. I keep on talking about operating loan. Operating loans at an all-time high as far as interest rates are concerned. Equipment loans are up there, you know, as well. So we have all of this happen. Amy says prices are inflated. You talked about, you know, the trade differences and everything else. The trade difference shocked him at the dealership and he just can't quite get over it. So what's that guy going to do? He's going to sit on his hands. That's exactly what he's going to do. So will you have more of that or will you have more guys that are shocked by it, but then they just kind of decide to get over it because they've got to turn their equipment. I think you're going to have both. The question is that I don't know the answer to is what more are you going to have? Because if you have quite a few people that are just going to sit around and see what happens, Mm -hmm. equipment can stack up a little bit, but I don't know if that is going to happen full force across the U S.
1: So I think my opinion, I don't know that we have the, the, well, I mean, if you got one machine that nobody wants to buy, you have, you have a problem, right? So, um, if you however you scope that i think as i look at it i don't necessarily see that there's going to be a huge issue with inventory um mm-hmm. you might have to be more creative on how you get it financed and, and how you play the game and all that but i don't i don't necessarily ever see you know uh, a win row of combines on someone's lot anymore i don't, I don't see that i don't see that in the future <laughs> just because of the sheer fact of the number of um there's just not that many machines, right? There's just not
2: that many machines, that's right. You
1: break that down by the number of dealers and everything. It's really not that many machines. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: now, <laughs> excuse me. Bless you. I think the biggest issue, I think the saving grace and all this, in my opinion, this is something I'd I, I, I love to have your opinion on because it's going to directly affect the way you do business, is as these machines start to age out and we start looking at some of this stuff, more and more of these retro kits or upgrade kits or whatever it is you want to call them we see it right now i mean i think the number of planners on the marketplace is only like 1500 planner or something like that. i gotta go back and look what it is but it's not very many it's there's yeah. hardly any planners out there and the same as sprayers there's hardly any sprayers out there so mm-hmm. your your option is find that one-year-old planner someplace and it's parked next to the unicorn and and bookfoot is riding unicorn around the lot looking at this mm-hmm. planner, right so if you find that planner, then great, you've you've you know you've got your stuff there. But the the easier option is, I'll just upgrade it. I'll
2: just take. I'll just upgrade. It. That's know. exactly right, and that's been happening with planners That's been for, for a long while. time, sure. And there wasn't very much of a spotlight shined on it until it started ha- started happening with the uh, self propelled equipment. You know, sure. sprayers is probably going to be the going to be the first one. Mm-hmm. I remember when before deer came out with exact apply we were retrofitting r-series sprayers with capstan yeah and it was a retrofit upgrade and i mean i remember when guys would come in with you know match merge xp units and you know start putting uh different row units on there so they could run a pro max 40c plate with a you know with a knockout wheel yeah you have all of that you, you have all of that, you know, all that plays, all that plays into it. You can retrofit them with wet kits and precision planning, and it's not that hard to do. Right. Not that hard to do. There's a ton of planners out there that the only thing that's the same when they bought it is the toolbar.
1: Right. I think now what the, and I think this is where the retro kit thing is going to start to really take off and run is that if you wanted to use a precision setup, um, you had to buy. 2020 downforce you had to buy you know all the all the things the the, all the various components and then go through and piece those components on row by row by row Mm -hmm. now you're running into this fact now where you don't just you get the row and you put the row on the bar and then you're, you're good to go and i think that's where and the same thing on the plant on the sprayer side is that you can upgrade booms now to whatever you know you can you can put you know air purge systems and, and reclaim systems and all these different things on these machines. Now that instead of it being a piece by piece partnered out type thing, it's all one component and y'all, you, you just bolt on, bolt off and it's not uh, yep. making it way simpler than it is, but it's just, I mean, it's, it's, but it's about that simple, you know, like, I
2: say, you're, I say, you're not really oversimplifying, you know, yeah. there are some companies out there that have figured this out that they saw, they saw this coming and we have seen it coming as well. However, when it actually takes off, I think it's going to come pretty quick. I just no, I don't necessarily know if it's here in full force yet.
1: Yep.
2: Um, but no, I do I do see I do see some of this coming because you have equipment that is getting more more expensive
0: mm-hmm.
2: and you have farmers that are just pushing away from the table. And that just that's just the way that's just the way that it is, and I think that's going to continue to happen. Until we have some, you know, until we start talking about autonomy, until we start talking about, you know, stuff, uh, stuff like that, because I've never heard a single farmer say, when I say a single farmer, I haven't heard very many farmers say, I'm going to go smaller this year. And I think that plays into planters, you know, so um, you talk about high speed planters and, you know, and everything else. So is the high speed planter going to make that, farmer buy smaller planter i don't necessarily think that's true i think that the guy that's always bought a 12 row is going to yeah. continue to buy a 12 row and he's just going to get it done faster yeah
1: so i really thought when i thought when the high speed planter thing came around that we would see you know basically you, you you could cut your planter size in half and still get the same amount of stuff done right
2: in hindsight in hindsight that makes that makes sense however
1: you just you now you rarely I,
2: see a guy downsize on horsepower of a tractor. Yeah. So, why would he downsize on row units?
1: Yeah. And I think now, I mean, now you got a guy that's got the 24 row planter that's got the high speed, this, that, and the other thing. Um, he was planting 24, uh, 24 acres an hour. And now they're planting 48 acres an hour. You know, um, I, I think that stuff there. So, so what I was getting at too on, on the uh, upgrade side of it is there's going to come a point in time when a piece of equipment is going to be worth what it's upgradable to, right? Mm -hmm. So there's going to be different machines that are, you're going to have a stopping point somewhere because of processor speed or who God knows what that's going to eliminate that machine from getting the latest and greatest technology. Now I might get, you know, gen two technology and gen three is available now and you can't put gen two or gen three on this or whatever, but looking at that, I mean, I think three years from now conversation I'm having with a customer might very well be you have whatever 36 row units of something and you want to trade in you know we're going to trade those row units for these new row units and then Mm -hmm. we're going down that path or or this wet systems now we're going to trade for this wet system now the machine you've got you're going to just just put the new whatever on it but you're keeping the same power unit you're just putting a different system on there i think there's a day in the not too distant future where a guy trades a sprayer in and there's a stock number on the wet unit and a stock number okay. on the machine. And those are going to be two, some guy in Minnesota buys a wet unit. And some guy in Texas buys the, buys the power unit. And, and now you've, cause you know, the wet unit can be upgraded to the latest chassis that's out there or vice versa, you know, and it's just going to be a, a whole thing. That's kind
2: of already happening with dry boxes though.
1: Sure. Yeah. yeah there's certain dry boxes you can't put on other machines, you know, and that's, that's-
2: That's you know that's exactly right. I mean you know if you want to if you want this new later dry box on you know on this uh, this sprayer then you can do it, but you cannot you can't do it in a belt over chain, or you can't do it this way, or you can't do it that way. That's the very real thing, you know. And you got guys that are trading wet kits off of this, trading wet kits off of that. Now I remember my times at the at the dealership when dry boxes were you know start getting big and we'd go out and we'd uh we'd calibrate them you know uh and everything else a lot of those guys were not ordering dry box units they were ordering dry boxes and then we were taking the wet kits off the off the sprayers tearing them down a pretty much bare frame and then putting the dry boxes on them right so that's i mean that could very well happen with a whole lot more things other than that the question is is that so when you upgrade this guy to the newest wet kit, mm-hmm. and you trade him out of the oldest wet kit. Where does that oldest wet kit go?
1: Well, I think it's just like any other used equipment thing. Now, there's going to be guys that can afford the latest and greatest technology, and they're going to be able to use that. And then it's going to, you know, then you have a your you have your A customer, B customer, C, so on and so forth. And it's just going to trickle down that way. I think. So, I guess the question I have for you is. How are you going to, I mean, have you thought about that? How are you going to look at that?
2: Definitely, definitely thought, definitely thought about it. And we're, we could have to get creative. One of the things that, that the guide has always, uh, has always been, um, I don't necessarily know the, know the word or known for, is that if you cannot find it inside of the manufacturer price pages, then we can't put it in there as an option and the reason why that is is because we trust the manufacturer with the pricing we don't necessarily want to have to call this company and this company and this company and get the pricing if it you know if it has a case or a john deere or a new holland or you know a a, a caterpillar head you know letterhead on it we trust that pricing so i do think as as time continues that if we do not have the pricing on that from the OEM we may have to get creative i do not necessarily know how we would how we would do that i don't necessarily want to speculate and yeah. you know have a lot of people saying well you know john said this john said that no i don't necessarily want to speculate i don't necessarily want to speculate on that however one of the things that we pride that we pride ourselves on is making a tool to allow our customers to have as much insight into into their customer base as they possibly can, into their market as they possibly can, to have the results out of that product from building that insight. And then in turn, you're building the better relationship with your customer or with, you know, your business is building an uh, overall better relationship uh, with the marketplace, you know, so on and so forth. So if it does come down to that, we will have no choice but to do something. Right. However, what we will do, I can't tell you that right now.
1: Right. Well, I was hoping you had yeah all the answers, John, because I I need a I well. Need a,
2: I you know. no. I mean <laughs> that's the reason why I call you a lot of times, Casey. <laughs> 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 no, I mean, but it's fishing uh, in
1: the same hole. There's no fish in there sometimes, John.
2: Well, that's that's that's, that's true. Uh, but I will I will say this: it has been talked about quite a bit, and you know. Another thing that I've said is that you know I'm if a, one dealer calls me, I'm reluctant to make a very big change because one dealer calls me. Sure. However, sure. if you're talking to twenty different dealers and they're you know north, south, east, west, and they're all saying the same thing, well, you know it's pretty obvious what what needs to happen.
1: Probably need to make a change. Yeah.
2: Probably need to probably need to make a change there, and that's one of the things that I have prided myself on is getting in touch with dealers, talking to dealers about how do we do stuff? How do we do things? You know, ever since I, in case you've been a part of it as well, ever since I came on as managing guides editor, I have been reaching out to customers more to get their feedback on our product. You know, I've said this plenty of times, which is I want to know what we're doing good or we're doing well. So we continue to do it. But what I'm more interested in is where can we improve? Well, I mean, cause if you're not in, in this business, you're either growing or dying. There's no third direction. Sure. Um, and there's no running in place. People say running in place. Well, if you're running in place, then you're losing money, in my in my opinion. So reaching out to customers, trying to get the heartbeat of the market, trying to figure out what we can do to better serve our customers and telling them, you know, our data story. Telling them the iron guide story. Why are we different from anyone else that's out there, what makes us more relevant, what makes our data better. And I believe that it's been pretty well received. And I will tell you this, I can't count how many customers that I've, that I've reached out to. And we've talked about things, whether it be this, that, and the other. I've had plenty of them say, oh, I didn't know that. I've been using iron guides for years, and I just never thought to ask that question. Or it just never dawned on me that that's how y'all do things. Yeah. That's the stuff that I like hearing because that is, that's just educating your customers. Sure. And I feel like that, uh, that we need to do that more now than ever because I do feel like that moving forward, our customer will need us more now than they have in quite some time.
1: Yeah. No, I agree with you. And I think it's going to be continued. This is a, uh, the cool thing about where we're headed right now, John, is that, no longer how long no longer no matter how long you've been in the business or I've been in the business or the guy that's got fifty years of experience. Nothing mm-hmm. like this ever been ahead of us before. So this is a totally blank slate and it's kind of cool to be to be a part of the groups of people that get to figure this out. And when we're when we're eighty years old and we can sit down and tell our predecessors here that are our People come back into the business like that. I remember back when you know we can have those remember back when old man stories now, so I'm excited. It's, about like,
2: it. the, it's like the gentleman that talk about I remember back in the 80s, yeah, the exactly. rates was 20 plus percent, and, yeah, yeah, you know, the government was paying farmers not to farm, and you know, so on. So on. I wasn't even born then, so
1: yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. So, all right, John, I'll probably get a good place to stop right there. Uh, talk a little bit about what you're doing, how to get a hold of you, um, you know, if they want to chime in with some with some uh feedback for you what's the best way to do that
2: best way to do that would be to reach out to you can reach out to support which would be supported iron solutions dot com um that would probably be the be, be the best way the best way to do it um you can contact me uh my email address is john womack j-o-n-w-o-m-m-a-c-k at com. contact me directly and. Most of the time that ends up in a phone call and I love to reach out to customers, love to talk, love to talk to them. If a customer just wants to wants to reach out to me, just talk about the market. Hey, that is great. I'm an equipment guy. I love talking about the market. I'm not just a daily guy. I'm also an equipment guy and I do love the ag industry. It's been a part of my life ever since I was five years old. So this is something that I very, very much love and very much love to talk, love to talk to people about it. You know, that's the reason why we all, why we all do these podcasts and, yeah. you know, and stuff like that. So that's way to, that's a way to do that. Um, other than that, you can, you know, catch me out at moving iron. We'll definitely be at moving iron this year. Very much looking forward to that and that being in our backyard again this year, that that'll be uh that'll be great. Don't be shy. Come up and talk, come up and talk to us and ask us as many questions as you want to. There's, there's no big, there's no small. It's just a question and all feedback is good feedback and i'm not going to think that someone's calling my baby ugly or anything like that uh you know we want to know how we can improve we want to know how we can be more relevant and sure. the only way that we can do that is getting feedback from our customers right on john
1: well john i appreciate uh appreciate you and all the folks over there dying solution randy riley for uh being a part of this podcast
2: absolutely we appreciate appreciate y'all as well
1: Right on. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Go to uh, Moving Iron Podcast on LinkedIn and check out the video version of this over at the YouTube channel, which is the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. So check it out there. Go to Moving Iron LLC for everything Moving Iron related and uh, check out in the upper right-hand corner. You can see everything about the Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 11th through the 13th, which, what, Franklin's, what, 30 miles south or something like that? Uh,
2: About 20 minutes. About about 20 minutes from Broadway.
1: There you go. So check that out, too, while you're over there. You might be able to get a tour of the office or something while you're there. So check that, <clears throat> check that out. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with John Womack. Let's go to folks. Out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com.
0: you find us here, moving higher.